So thank you for joining us today and uh, joining our podcast. Uh, today we have with us Simon Rassiopa, who's a screenwriter, and we're going to talk a little bit about movies and film and how to get into this kind of industry. Um, Simon, before we kind of go into it, can you do a little intro? Tell us a little bit about your career, where you started, what were your, the projects that you worked on, and what were kind of like the most recent ones? Sure. Um Uh, so I started, I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and I was lucky enough to get started in television quite early. I was sort of working in TV when I was about 14, not screenwriting, but sort of like helping on local television shows back in Toronto around that age. And then in university, I started more focusing on the writing, uh, side of things and scripts and getting interested in that. And I was able to sell a script out of my first year of, uh, my last year of university, um, for recent shows, uh, that I've worked on, the last couple of big ones are I helped work on, uh, uh, The Dark Crystal Age of Rebellion for Netflix, which was this huge big puppet series for Netflix that we did based on the Jim Henson movie. And I worked on that show. I worked on doing development on that for about 14 years before it actually happened. Uh, and then my other last two big projects are Invincible for Amazon Prime Video. Uh, which is based on the Robert Kirkman comic of the same name. And we did a first season of that, and we're hard at work in season two and three uh, of that right now. And then uh, Diabolical, which is that poster right there, which is the uh, spinoff of The Boys. Uh, uh, and I did that last year, and that came out earlier. I came out in March this year. So and that was an anthology series, eight different episodes, um, all different storylines, different characters, all based in the world of The Boys, but completely different from each other. So that's the, that's the recent stuff. Um, how did I get into it? I just, uh, you know, I started writing scripts and I was lucky enough to get a script noticed. Uh, I sent it off to another screenwriter who worked in Toronto. It was part of uh, my last year at Ryerson at, at the university I went to. You had to write a script and have it adjudicated by an outside writer, by a professional writer. So we had to go out and find one. So I found a writer in Toronto who was working on TV at the time and he read my script and gave me feedback and then recommended me to another working writer who read my script and liked it and gave me my first job. So uh, I got lucky that way. But yeah, that's that's how I started anyway. And then kind of just have worked my way up since then. So I'm, I'm going to tell you a story. Um, kind of like the, the rhyming that happens in life. So a couple of uh, days ago, I was at uh, Edmonton in Canada. And uh, I knew very little about this place. And um, I had a talk with some of the guys there and they talked about how this is becoming like the next big uh, place where they shoot movies. And apparently they shot the, the new Last of Us there and uh, some other projects. And um, when I came back home, I realized that actually I live, uh, I rent uh, in Studio City, which is another big part of kind of like the, the movie industry. And um, we'll kind of come back to that a little bit, but... From your point of view, you said you were lucky when you were kind of traversing and doing um, this career. Do you think location is important, especially right now? Do you feel like you need to be in Edmonton or Los Angeles or somewhere else in order to get into it? So I don't think you have to be, but man, does it help. Uh, it helps a lot. You know, I was lucky enough to grow up in Toronto, Canada, um, you know, if you're working in film or television in Toronto, certainly when I was getting started in, sorry, in Canada, you wanted to either be in Toronto, Vancouver, or Toronto or Vancouver, or if you did French language stuff, Montreal. But really, it was Toronto and Vancouver. And yes, there were movies being shot 
in Edmonton and being shot in many Calgary and many other places. But if you wanted to be in the production, like the writing side, the creation side of, of TV shows, that was happening really only in Toronto or Vancouver for the most part. And there's always exceptions, of course, but that's kind of where you needed to be to get noticed. And in the States, obviously, it's New York and Los Angeles, but it's primarily Los Angeles. Um, so you look, if you write a really, really excellent script, like just a stellar piece of work, it's going to get noticed no matter where you're from. Um, but if you're looking at this more of a career, if you want to be in, be in it in the long term, you want to be in uh, the industry, you want to be in the field, you want to be meeting other writers, other people who work in that field, other people who make movies, producers and directors. Uh, and the only way you can do that is be by being in a place where they make movies or make TV shows. And that's really... Again, that's limited in Canada. It's like it's really Toronto and Vancouver. In the States, it's really Los Angeles. So do you have to move here? No, but man, does it help, you know? Maybe if you're just writing feature films, you might be able to exist outside of LA, uh, but TV, definitely you want to be here. Um, look, and also, once you get crazy famous, if you become a huge success, you can do whatever you want, work wherever you want. But getting started, yes, it helps to be in Los Angeles, absolutely. So you talked about, we talked a little bit about location. Um, now, what about the skills that you need to have? It seems like this is the kind of industry where everybody says you just go and write a script. But if we come back to my story about Studio City, there is like a big Barnes and Noble there. And um, it, it's very close to my place. And I keep coming there like uh, every weekend almost. And I noticed that they, st they always have this stand where they sell books and writing. There's like always books and writing. And I never never seem to notice them in other Barnes and Nobles or they were hidden somewhere. And then I it, I realized it's because, you know, people from Studio Cities is kind of like a movie space and people want to get into writing, I guess. So is writing one of the easiest sort of like avenues to becoming part of this industry or maybe it's the hardest one? You tell me you have to ask yourself is like, there's a, a thousand different jobs in film and television. You know, you can be a grip, you can be costume designer, you can be a set designer, you can be an art director, you can be a director, you can be a director, of, you know, photography. There's a million jobs. So if your job, if, you're, if your desire is just to get into the industry, writing is just one of the many options open to you. And I would sort of suggest that you should do whichever one interests you the most. You know, if you're more interested in like how scenes are shot and you're a more visual person, maybe you should look, more into doing, you know, like what DOPs do and what directors do or what designers do. Um, you know, if you're interested in writing and creating, then that's, that's the reason you should pursue it uh, more than just as it being a way into the industry, if that makes sense. Uh, is it easier or harder? Um, I don't really know. I mean, I think every job in the business, it has its own challenges and every job is equally difficult to get to a high level and to sort of achieve the skill you need to be like, you know, a great screenwriter, I, you know, is probably that's as hard to become as it is to become a great DOP or a great director or a great costume designer. Um, in terms of, you know, teaching yourself, I guess the, the advantage that writing has is that uh, you can just start. You know, you can just, you know, you have a computer, you can just start, you can try it, you can, you know, give it a, give it a try versus, you know, if you want to be a lighting designer, like you need to go out and apprentice with somebody to just get access to the things you need, like a lighting grid to actually try it out. You can't really, it's harder to do that in your garage than it is to like go to a Starbucks and write a script. 
Um, so, so writing does have that advantage to it. You can self-start projects and you can sort of practice by yourself. Whereas even, even acting, that's harder to do. You'd want to be in like community theater or you'd want to be t- taking classes. That said, I still think writing is something you can learn and you can practice and you can get better at. It's not something that you necessarily automatically do. Like everybody knows the alphabet. Everybody knows how to spell and put words together, but writing a script is obviously more than that. Uh, Personally, I think the best way to learn, there's two ways to learn. One way is I think you can take classes, and I think that's a good way to start. Certainly, if you don't have a lot of experience, uh, you know, a class will give you a good foundation on just sort of the basics of how scripts work, how to put a script together, what what makes a good script, what makes a bad script, and they'll give you a good start. But to me, the real way to learn is to read other scripts. And uh, nowadays on the internet, you have access to thousands and thousands and thousands of professionally written scripts for TV shows that are currently out, new pilots that are coming out, movies that have been out over the last 20 years. That's what you're trying to make as a screenwriter. You're trying to make a finished piece of work, a finished script. It's not about the idea. It's not about the concept or the outline or you have a great idea for a movie. It's about the finished script. So the best way to figure out how to do that is to look at ones that have already been finished and were sold and were successful. Uh, And you should be reading those scripts. You should be reading two or three of them a week. You know, and uh, but trying to really read them and look at them and decide to yourself, like, what makes this script good? Why do I like this? Why do I not like this? What would I change about it? Uh, you know, why did this succeed and why did this one not succeed? What could I make better about this? And sort of trying to write down those thoughts and almost analyze them to yourself. And then that just by doing that, just by reading two or three scripts, you know, a week and then working on your own writing, it's going to sort of flow through you. It's going to you're going to pick up stuff and you're going to pick up ideas and you're going to pick up format and you're going to pick up like dialogue and ideas for that and that'll help your own writing and then you just need to keep on writing scripts and just keep on practicing uh and so it's 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 ultimately it's like stephen king had this great quote i think in his he had he has a great book on writing called on writing and i think his quote was he was like he reads for four hours a day and he writes for four hours a day i feel like that also applies to screenwriting you want to read a lot of scripts and you want to write a lot of scripts and if you do those two things together it's, you know, hopefully that's, that'll work out for you. It might take some time. It might take a couple of years, but that's, that was my route. So you mentioned, um, kind of reading scripts, becoming a great screenwriter. My question is, uh, what kind of constitutes a good script? Like what makes it, you know, you know what I mean? Like what makes it, how do you make sure it's like, if it's poor or if it's a good one, well, that's, that's, of course, the million-dollar question, right? What makes something great? Because yeah. sometimes also, sometimes terrible scripts, the movies are still super successful. And sometimes great scripts, the movies aren't, you know? But what makes the script itself? I mean, I, you know, everyone has different opinions about this. Uh, but there's, I think there's a couple of things that we could all agree on. One is it has to be consistent. It has to be logically consistent. It has to make sense, right? Um, you know, you want a story that logically follows, like it makes sense, like, a happens and that means then that B has to happen. Then that means that C has to happen. That someone can follow that and their understanding of that and they follow it and it makes sense to them. Uh, but at the same time, you want it to be unexpected. You want it to be surprising. So you want it to be logical and follow, you know, this sort of, this, this sort of pathway that makes sense, but you also want it to be surprising. So you want people to be like, oh, I can't believe that happened, but of course it happened. It makes sense from everything that happened before. So that's sort of the originality to it. Uh, you, it needs to be emotional. I think, I think every good movie or TV show transmits emotion. It's the writer trying to get somebody else to feel something or to think something or to have an emotion. So it has to do that. 
Um, I feel like, you know, there's, there's movies that can maybe be really great technically written. They can look great on screen, but if they don't make you feel anything, I feel like that's probably a failure. You know, you want, you want a show or a movie or a script to make you sad or to make you happy or to make you understand something in a way you haven't really thought of before. Um, and then characters have to act like real people. You know, a lot of, uh, I, I read a lot of, you know, more rookie writer stuff. And a lot of times their characters feel like they're just doing things to further the plot. Like a character has to act like a real person. So I always try to ask myself, okay, would you do that in that situation? Would you really act like that? Like no one would do that. No one would say that. And if you find yourself saying that, you have to revise your work and look at it and try to make your people act like real people. And I think this applies, you'd be writing the wackiest comedy in the world, the weirdest, you know, indie film, uh, but your characters have to act like real people. Otherwise, you know, your audience is not going to understand it. They're going to be like, well, these, these people aren't like, no one would do that. So why I'm not interested anymore. And you push your audience away. So that, those are the main sort of things I always think for in a script. Of course, there's always exceptions. Someone can, you know, the nice thing about writing is there's no real rules. You can also, you could throw all that out the door and write some kind of amazing script if you were a genius that did something new that maybe didn't make sense and had characters who didn't like act like people. And maybe that would be the most amazing thing ever. But if you're starting out, those are the main things I'd look for. You know, logical consistency that follows, you know, a logical path, but is surprising, you know, characters that act like real people and an emotion that you're trying to get across to your audience. So what's your take like you, and first of all, thank you for your answer. I think you touched on a lot of points there, especially emotion. I think that's probably one of the things that we want to see in a movie. And when we don't really don't, get that we feel like the movie didn't really deliver but um my question kind of connected to the other part of your answer when you said that there is no real formula sort of right you don't really uh no but i i know that there was a time when people did think that there was a formula and this the writer's journey the hero's journey i mean first the hero's journey then the writer's journey those books they're kind of kind of dissect like step by step like what do you do? Like the, the heroes, and you can take any film like from Rambo to Star Wars, where they, they kind of follow that same um, template, I would say. It's not really a, like a framework, correct? What's your take on that? Do you think, think this is still relevant or maybe it's too old? Because um, I'm just going to say it because like for my uh, kind of, for my taste, I feel like the movies that have that Although they maybe are a bit more on a predictable side, uh, they kind of resonate more with me than the, 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 the films that don't. I don't think there's a problem with that kind of work. Uh, I think certainly uh, for newer writers, you know, obviously, like you said, there's tons of screenwriting books that are out there. I don't think it's a bad idea if you're just getting started to, to buy one, like pick one. Because I think they're mostly similar. Not not that I've read a ton, but I think they're mostly similar. Pick one and use that to help you get started. You know, sometimes that kind of stuff, that formula or that structure is great to to just start an idea. But then maybe you want to vary it. Maybe you want to go in a different direction. Maybe you want to do something more surprising. But uh, there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I don't think it's gone out of fashion. I think a lot of movies still follow a really familiar structure. Like most of my work, if, if it's a feature, still, still work in three acts. You know, because I find that that helps me visualize the movie. But then to me, that stuff is like scaffolding. Like you put it up to help you support the story to get you started. And then you tear the scaffolding out because hopefully you've made something that can stand without without all that 
formula or initially there. So again, I think it's a great way to get started. Uh, it's even, you know, something I think about when I'm working on movies or TV shows now, but I like to hope that, uh, you know, it doesn't limit you, you know, it's, it's a help to get you started. And then hopefully you can go on and sort of build from that on, you know, on your story further out. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now so i, I kind of have the question connected with that and uh thank you for kind of highlighting that there's something there's nothing wrong with kind of using these guardrails especially when you're starting out I feel like it's a great way to just kind of guide you like in you know like what's the next step because sometimes it's just like you don't know and uh, I know professional writers usually say that the story kind of writes itself because I feel like you already wrote so many that you it kind of flows like a river to wherever you want to go but um and uh, this prob I'm probably not the only person with this kind of question but um, sometimes you get a movie where it's just like not cohesive like like you said it doesn't it doesn't make sense like the the latest example that i had was probably this uh, animated film sing there's like a, a bunch of animals who are doing like a musical theater and then there was a sequel and i liked the first one so much we watched it with my three-year-old daughter she was like so engaged and she was this koala trying to build this theater very interesting and then the next one, it just felt like a bunch of scenes that you kind of glue together. And the same kind of drawback, frankly, you can see in a lot of other movies that you see in theaters right now. Why is this happening? Like, what happened to this, you know, when you just kind of, when it, you know it doesn't make sense, but suddenly you come up, is it like, do we blame VFX? Do we blame script doctors? Do we blame something else? Like who, what's going on? Uh, so I haven't seen that movie. I mean, I'm aware of it, but I haven't seen uh, either saying. Um, I mean, look, it comes down to a lot of different reasons. Making, making movies or TV shows is really hard. Uh, and uh, I know that sounds like I'm whining, but it's, it's a difficult thing to try and make something new and original and that is cohesive and has emotion and all those things. You know, it's a difficult job. And when you're making a movie or a TV show, there's actually all this other pressure on the production at the same time. And there's a schedule, uh, you know, there's uh, a budget that you can't exceed or you, you're not supposed to exceed. There's a schedule you have to meet. There's demands sometimes from actors, from other producers, from different studios. So there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts in a, in a motion picture. So unfortunately, it's not always the case of where the writer gets to sit down and have all the time they need to finish the script, to make it perfect to get good feedback on that and then to answer that feedback with a new draft. Uh, and then that draft just gets made. That's not really usually what happens. Usually what happens is you get a draft and you get feedback from a number of different places, you know, maybe from the director, from the studio, from another producer, and you're trying to coordinate all those things. And maybe the draft is, is still really great, 
but then it goes into production. And then in production, you find out, oh, we don't have the time to do this sequence, you know, or this sequence isn't working out, or this actor wants this section changed for them, or this song didn't come in very well, so we're going to cut it. So you're trying to fix those things on the fly as the film gets made, um, you know, and you're still trying to hit that schedule. And sometimes there's test screenings and test screenings maybe do well or don't do well. And you have to do more changes for that. So all this to say that like any television show or any feature is a sort of a living, breathing animal. And you can't always predict how it's going to come out at the end based on how it starts. But everyone on any feature film or any movie are trying to do their best. They're trying to make the best movie they can. They're trying to make the best TV show they can. But sometimes circumstances make that really difficult, you know. And sometimes you run up to your own limits, your own creative limits, you know, in those cases. And maybe that's the best you could do at the time. So there's no real person to blame necessarily. It's just unfortunately a, a fact of the industry that it's, it's a difficult thing to do to make a really great movie or a great TV show. There's a lot of challenges along the way. And sometimes it works out and you come out with something great. And sometimes it's less great than anyone hoped for. Uh, it's, you know, it's a very subjective uh, art form. I, I really like this answer that you're kind of talking about all the factors that are outside of whatever you're doing, like directors, producers, all the other factors that influence you, but at the same time you might not agree with them. And then there is the question of like the final cut and all the other things. And it goes on and on and like unions and you know, whatever, like they were the, the actor kind of got COVID or whatever. I think if you're looking for like a good illustration like this, there is this show about the filming of Godfather on, I don't know, like on, I think it's called on Paramount Plus, it's uh, The Offer, it's called The Offer. And the, the, very kind of like they, they show in this episodic format all this gorgeous, you know, thing that making a movie is. And then there's the central part of the producer that tells the story and so on. Uh, but my question is kind of connected with that. So we know movies are very hard to do. What about TV shows? Because it seems like from... Uh, like, in, from my point of view, it's like not making one movie that is like an hour and a half. It's like making, you know, eight movies or like 12 movies or like whatever the season is, like 24 movies, which, is made, which makes it much more difficult. And you've been doing, you know, TV shows. What do you feel about that? Are they more difficult, less difficult? What are the particular things that are important uh, for TV? Uh, I mean, I think they both have their own challenges. I'm not going to say which one's harder. I think a television show is a bit more of a marathon because obviously a movie, again, depending on what job you're in, but a movie, you know, is a, is a two-hour script roughly. You know, it could be a little shorter. It could be like 90 minutes if it's, a you know, a comedy or, or a kid's movie. It could be a little longer if it's a big epic piece, but it's around two hours, you know, whereas your average eight or 10-episode series is eight or 10 hours or a little less than that usually nowadays. Uh, so obviously it's, you know, it's could be anywhere from, you know, four to five times longer in terms of how much script material you need, how much story material you need, obviously, as well. And then all of production, too. Um, but movies can be in product, can be in development for much longer than TV shows, you know, and sometimes have much bigger set pieces, much bigger builds, spend more time in editing. So um, they both have their own challenges. I would say as as a writer or a showrunner, TV is a bigger challenge because you're on it for longer. It's a longer project. You're doing more hours, you know, versus a screenwriter who might just do one draft of that script. 
they might be a word, they might be a screenwriter on set, which means they would stay for, for a lot of production and help out. And they might, so that might be a longer job. Uh, so I, you know, TV, I think is, is probably more work, but again, I think they're both equally hard and equally difficult. Um, sorry, what was the, what was the other part of the question? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, I think you answered like, uh, but by the way, like connected with TV shows, um, you, you mentioned it's kind of a little bit more, a little bit more work, but probably you've noticed this trend and there, the viewers definitely did when there's a lot of very good writing on, you know, on TV or like uh, streaming services, right? There is, I don't know, like there is Severance, there is uh, Succession, there is um, Midnight Mass, which is a very unusual kind of TV. And, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, like a bunch of HBO shows, and I'm not going to go into the history of it. Um, why do you think this happens? Like, don't you feel like a film is a better uh, medium to tell a story? Or is it like, for me, it's like a short story and a novel, like, or maybe it's like reading like Oliver Twist or something like a TV show, you know what I mean? It, it totally depends on the story. Like some stories, when you have the idea, you know, you're like, oh, this is a feature, or you're like, I need more time for this. This is a TV series. You know, it's like some stories are too big to fit into two hours. You know, like Severance is a great example. I love Severance. Uh, could you do it as a feature film? Yeah, but I think it's a lot of idea to get out in a feature film. I think it works better as a TV series. I think that's, you know, so I don't know what, what I think it was Dan, Dan, I forget his last name, who came, who was a creator of that show. He might have maybe thought about it early when he had that idea. He's like, maybe this is a feature. Maybe this is a TV show. And then as he started to think about it more, he's like, no, I think this is a TV show. I want more hours than that. You know, like Invincible. Invincible, you know, to adapt the comic books, you know, we felt at the time was a was better as a TV series than a feature film. Dark Crystal was both, was obviously a feature film and then a TV series. Uh, so it really just depends on the idea and how you want to tell that idea. Maybe some ideas you might think, oh, this is better as a comic book or this is better as a novel or better as a podcast, you know, or that's how I want to start mm -hmm. it. So uh, it, it's more comes into to, into that sort of idea. Like what is what is the idea you have? And then what format do you think lets you express that idea in the best possible way. Uh, you That's know, as for move, movies recently, I mean, like, obviously it's been really hard on the movie industry with COVID. You know, a lot of people, like, I used to see movies all the time, and now it's, a, it, you know, for two years I didn't see any movies in theaters, um, and now I'm starting to go back. Uh, you know, I watch movies on TV, obviously, but it's, you know, it's, I think it's been hard on movies for a long time. Uh, but I love movies. Movies was one of the reasons I got into the business was going to see a movie with such a, in a theater with such an experience that I wanted to be part of that. So I'm hoping that, you know, those recover better and, you know, more people will come back to that and we'll get some more interesting, cooler, different movies. I, I really like this answer where you said that basically there's a bunch of formats there's like a longer format, like a episodic format. There's the podcast and there are video games and there's a lot of other ways that you can tell stories. There's a book also. Let's not forget about that. Um, what about animation? What kind of format is that? I know that Guillermo del Toro, who's currently doing his Pinocchio, um, he's famous for saying that, uh, that I think Academy Awards shouldn't have like the, the best film and best animation because animation is film. But there is still some kind of, uh, you know, maybe misconception. You, you correct me. Like when we, we think about um, animation, there's like a certain something. What do we think about? What kind of stories fit this format? Or 
Is it universal and anything goes? Well, so, okay, I think that's a really good question. I think there's there's two answers to that. One answer is what I think it is. And I think animation is a format the same way I think of a podcast or a book or a comic book or anything else. I think you should be able to tell any story you want in animation if that's how you want to tell it. Should you be able to tell like a really realistic story about detectives in the 1950s through animation? Sure. And obviously we have indie films like Persepolis, you know, that tell like really serious uh, stories about, you know, love and loss and uh, are not for kids that are done in animation and do really, really well. So to me, it's a format. It's just like, is that the right way to tell your idea? You know, you could go for a live action movie or you could go for an animated movie or an animated TV series or a live action TV series or puppets or like you said, a book or a podcast. And maybe you're thinking, well, you know, it's, it's a story about, you know, it's an environmental story about fighting to save, you know, whales off the coast of California. But I would love to do all these interesting dream sequences. And maybe the best way to do that would be through animation, even though it's not for kids. Like, that's a very valid answer to that question. And maybe that's the reason you would pick animation for that. Uh, so to me, it's a format. But I think in many cases, audiences over here, certainly Western audiences, still think of it as a genre, still think of it as either uh, kids Saturday morning, Pixar movies, or The Simpsons, like comedy half hours, adult half hours, and like, that's it. And then we, and then they, most people think of it like Japanese anime as its own weirdo thing that they don't, they're not interested in, right? That's talking about general audiences. I'm not saying how I feel about it. Um, but I think maybe that's starting to change. You know, and I hope maybe shows like Invincible and like Diabolical have started to help people see it as maybe just more of a format instead of a genre. Thank you for this. Um, and I love this example when you said you had a dream sequence that you can do kind of more in animation. If you look at these anthologies that uh, I think Deslov Robots or something on Netflix, those are, they have very crazy visuals and incredible stories and those kind of blend together nicely. But there is another um, kind of school of thought on that. And uh, uh, since we work with VFX artists and we work with games, um, there is this opinion that maybe too many VFX, they kind of ruined film anyway. And when you have more, when, you, when you're more constricted, when you have kind of more guardrails, you eventually do some better when you can just go like Marvel does it, right? When they can go and say, okay, this is like 200 million or like 400 million and we just do whatever with your flying rocket ships or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, from, from your point of view as a storyteller, like um, having all this availability of doing, you know, rendering basically whatever you want on the screen, even actors who are long gone, um, does it help you? Does it restrict you? Like, w what's your take on that? That's a really good and interesting question. Um, I mean, on a personal level, I do think like I miss a bit more of the practical effects and practical shooting that I remember from movies when I was younger, where they would go to Tunisia, they would go to the desert, they would go places, they would go to the jungle to shoot scenes, and scenes felt a little more real than in cases now where they're using, you know, CG backdrops or green screens or, you know, the dome kind of setting that they use for Mandalorian. And that stuff is all great. I think the Mandalorian looked amazing. But I do think sometimes, you know, movies don't feel as real as they used to because of that, uh, with, with exceptions, of course. That said, it does kind of open the door for a lot more creativity. You can go and shoot places that you never could before. You can fake you know, scenes or creatures or characters that you would have been impossible before. 
Um, so that opens it up. So that's a good thing. But, you know, like you said, create constraints breeds creativity. You know, sometimes when you can't do something, you figure out what you can do. You solve the problem in some other way. And sometimes that's a more novel, more interesting way, hopefully. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a real answer to that other than like, I, I prefer practical effects in most cases, you know, but that said, I also like movies with crazy. Like I like Marvel movies. I like movies with crazy, cool visual effects. I just, I just feel like maybe a lot of films nowadays are feeling less real than they used to. And I feel like that pushes the audience away from the picture and from the characters a little bit. When you, when you talked a little bit about kind of going on a set somewhere, like, you know, going to Italy. I know that um, this show uh, on Netflix about the ch chess lady who was playing chess a lot, I, Gambit or something, Quint, Quint Gambit, yeah. They did a lot of green screen there. They were like they, they basically painted the whole the whole thing. And from game development, there's this example where a French company they were building a, a game about American um, school basically. They were teenagers, and uh, a funny thing is they they built the game and then they decided to hire like a, a screenwriter from the United States who can help them tell a story that is kind of American. And so, and, and in the script, they had these situations where kind of teenagers, uh, you know, kiss on the chick when they're just, you know, when they're just friends, they're not girlfriend or boyfriend. And American screenwriter was like, okay, we would never do that, for, first of all, right? That there would be a big thing. And then the other funny comment he did, he gave was like the, the, the parking spots were too tiny. <laughs> they were like for, for European cars. Yeah, and that, that was like one of the, like, like you said, like when you go somewhere and you see it with your own eyes, it's, you get a little bit sense of a place, you understand a little bit better. That's why, you know, location scouting is still a thing and people um, love doing it. But um, since we, we, we kind of covered a lot of ground here, like we talked about how you got into industry, how films are made currently, what about animation, a lot of different formats. I have like one last question. So if there is someone in our audience that has a story to tell and he wants to do whatever, film, TV, animation, I don't know. Um, what do you think he should do first? Like, except for moving to Toronto and Los Angeles, what other things that are, that are possible for him to kind of make this reality, make this a reality? So what I think they should do is, you know, if you have an idea uh, that you want to express, that you want to get out there, uh, I think you should think about what format you want to do it in, whether you want to make a short film or a film or a comic book or a novel or a short story, you know, or, uh, a, you know, a, a picture book or something like that is, is sort of think about where that feels like you want to put it and then start reading that for that, that area, that, that format. So if you want to write a novel, read novels. If you want to write a screenplay, read screenplays. If you want to write a comic book, read comic books and that'll help teach you that medium and then try just start look online for resources there's comic scripts online you can read there's obviously novels there's lots of information about how to get started writing a novel you know there's a national there's a what is it nano remo which is like national novel writing month which is a community that helps people get started on their novels uh, there's lots of online stuff for for screenwriting you know again there's lots of scripts online so you, you can download free software to help you write it uh, you can just get started um, and just try. 
And then if you get something together, you know, you can go out to peers, you can go to that community, get people to try and read it, other people who are trying to do the same thing you're doing, and get feedback on it and try and make it better. Uh, and then ultimately, when you think it's good, and you're getting feedback that it's strong, it's good, you can try and get it into the hands of people who actually work in that field. So whether that's other producers or screenwriters, or whether it's comic book companies or comic book creators or owners, you know, like Comic-Con, like you can go to a comic convention and meet the publishers at different comic houses and pitch them an idea. You can hand over a script in some cases, you know, you should reach out first to make sure that's okay. But you can do those things. So it's, it's about practicing and, you know, the idea. And then the other big thing is not to give up, you know, like the first hundred things I wrote were garbage and they probably still are uh, in lots of cases, but uh, you need to, you get better at it. I think a lot of people expect to be able to walk up and hit a home run on their first try, but you can't do that in baseball. So why would you expect to do that in writing? You know, why would you expect to be able to like walk onto a professional baseball field and hit a home run? Like I couldn't do that. Most people couldn't do that. The people who play baseball would do that because they practice. They've been in the game a long time. They work at it constantly. They get better and better and better at it. That's it's writing is the same way. You know, like don't expect your first thing to be the best thing. Think of it more as something you work at, something you improve upon, something you get better at with practice and, you know, feedback and response and you try again and it might take years. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a trade, it's a craft you learn. It's not something you have or you don't have, at least to me. All right. Thank you so much, Sangman. Thank you for your advice. I hope it was useful to someone in our audience. And uh, we'll leave to the link to the descriptions to your work so people can enjoy it. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Great talking to you. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. See ya. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.